welcome to the Blockchain Bandits podcast. You're here with me, Jeff. And myself, Courtney. And me, Andy. And today we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of things. The, the week's been crazy. Um, you know, we all saw what happened with like all the exchanges being locked out. And um, on top of that, the price, mini flash crashes and other stuff. And me and Courtney actually went to the Blockchain Summit in London and spoke to a lot of people active in the blockchain community. So yeah, there's a lot of input there. I think we'll get started with that. So yeah, we went to the blockchain summit. There was a lot, a lot of people there. More people there than I thought there was going to be. Um, a lot of good um, blockchain use cases there as well. A lot and a few crap ones, I have to say. Um, but you know that's how it goes. What was your impression of the whole thing? Yeah, I think the uh, the blockchain summit was really good. Um, it showcased the community that is actually behind blockchain. Um, believe it or not, you had people from all walks of life, um, different ages, um, and it was good just to see the community kind of in front of you instead of you know maybe just being able to talk to them um, socially via social networking. But um, yeah, there were a, a number of different use cases, um, and a, a few of them we'll talk about today. Um, for instance, IBM was the key, the key one there for me, um, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, their stand was really really popular um, on the day. Um, we found that you had uh, a number of theaters where people were pretty much going in and uh, listening to a, a number of different use cases, and it was rammed, like literally rammed. If you can imagine, like a really 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 big uh, university campus that has a big you know um, lecture room, um, it was literally that. So about 200 people or so totally packing up the one theatre that we were in. And there were about four of those. Um, so you can imagine about a good 800 people were, uh, you know, available that day. And they weren't all just in the theatres. They were at the different standards talking to the different uh, ICOs that were there. Um, there were a number of good startups that were actually at the uh, Blockchain Summit. Um, we spoke to a few of those. Um, and yeah, they're just doing a number of, the, you, know, you know, if you listen to our last podcast, we talked about a few use cases. Um, and we kind of gave a listing of the different use cases um, for blockchain. Um, and to be honest, we thought, saw kind of a variety of uh, 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 different um, ICOs relating to those. Yeah, we saw that there was all sorts there, like so many different use cases, use cases I had never even thought about. Um, it's good to see that um, there's a lot of um, variety um, in, the, in this um, thing and people being creative. What was one that shocked you? Like, what was one what you thought was like really stood out? Um, one that really stood out, uh, I have to say, is probably what IBM's doing. So what IBM's doing is they're going to companies and they're looking at them and they're saying, okay, let what part of your um, company or business do you want to improve? Yeah, and then they take that small part and they look at it and they create a blockchain around that. Like, and what they explained to us, we spoke to a guy for quite a while at the um, IBM stand, even though it was very popular, we managed to speak to this guy for quite a good while and in depth about what they were doing. And um, he explained to us that, you know, everyone has the the impression that when you, the blockchain's gonna come and like bull, completely bulldoze their business or they have to completely change their whole business into something, into a blockchain basically. Yeah. But he explained that, you know, that's not the case. All you, sometimes all you need to do is get one aspect of your company and implement the blockchain into that. For example, he was talking about shipping and the paperwork with shipping and things like that and the transfer 
of, of data and things like that and, and verifying things that need to be signed off said all that um, for a shipping company they're working with they've basically managed to make it millions of times more efficient cheaper and um, they've basically managed to scale and condense the shipping all the way back from when a product is picked all the way to when it ends up in a shop and every single um, process is authenticated on the blockchain so you can rely on every single piece of data you are getting um, like if you were a business or a shop and one example you gave is that sometimes like I think there was like a some sort of cholera outbreak some sort of disease outbreak and there was a bunch of mangoes that were infected and instead of throwing out your whole um, mango collection I don't know your whole bunch of stock of uh, stock worth of um, mangoes you're able to identify each mango and know exactly where they came from and so mm. you know this mango could be affected infected, infected exactly yeah. and so that cuts costs there instead of having your whole business on the blockchain that just that aspect will save you a lot of money and save you a lot of time so yeah that was that the, um, the IBM are doing their blockchain uh side of things through Stella, right? Yeah, they do. Who've been doing really Stella. well. Yeah. And you know I'm holding some like <laughs> I'm um yeah, I'm 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 been pleasantly surprised with Stella. Mm. Um the recent lift. Yeah, yeah. and uh, IBM it seems like they've got a really good thing going those two. Uh they actually the the price of Stella rose um the day you guys went and also cuz there's also other summits going elsewhere. Mm. Um there's quite a lot of them. Yeah, which right. yeah, hopefully we'll be we'll be going to another one soon. <laughs> I'll be joining you this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, like yeah, it was some interesting movements in the market as well. Yeah, uh, especially um, like we spoke to a guy. Um, don't think I want to mention where he was working with at the moment, mm-hmm. considering the story I'm about to say. But <laughs> we spoke to him, and he basically told us because IOTA is another one that went that skyrocketed this past week. And they came out with the thing they're doing with um, Microsoft and um, another company, I can't remember, but it's a data marketplace where people can sell their own data. And um, they also come up with a thing where people can, you know, integrate the Tangle and things like that. And his um, company are doing the same thing. And he said to me that, you know, he was on the phone with someone at IOTA, who I'm also not going to name. And, like, after... (laughs) um, Literally two weeks after he was explaining his own business, IOTA announced that they're going to start building their own data marketplace and things and, and that and so that was kind of interesting. But and he was but he was coming up with it was good to talk to him because he because I'm a huge IOTA fan and so he was came with a balanced view of IOTA. He was like, there's a lot of issues where uh, manufacturing basically manufacturers of um, um, hardware for like things that like smart devices you know that interact with the internet of things in order to integrate iota they have to have special sensors and for in order to manufacture those sensors and implement them into um these devices it's a lot of work it takes a lot of time and by the time they do that it'll be too late and blah blah blah, given all these reasons which were kind of valid as well but at the same as he was talking um uh, the price of iota was rising because they have had announced like it was they were doing this with um, Microsoft and, and mm. everything, so I don't think personally I don't think uh, my is going to be stopped 
by the issues he was talking about but it was good to get a fresh view and like that was another benefit of going to this we were able to talk to people about um their their views and, and stuff yeah i think uh, a key thing to really point out with blockchain technology um tango and the internet of things and everything else that's going on i i don't think it's something that's going to change tomorrow it is something that's changing over a said couple of years at least yeah and i think iota's positioning themselves for that future when everything ends up becoming you know you know based on the internet of things and everything actually um you know is you know kind of needing something some sort of tech to 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 kind of assist it iota is going to be the ones going yeah you know we've been here for however long you know us you know we've worked with microsoft and we've been proven there they've worked with here and there so i think the fact that they're starting now is the greatest thing for them um because by the time it's all mainstream they'll be ready yeah i think that's a good point you made because the thing is obviously in the community iota they they've got a name for themselves but it's not as you know jeff it's yeah, not it's the not, best like the best they're, they're, they're yeah. like their devs don't um don't have a lot of friends let's <laughs> yeah. say so like it, uh, them getting like their name out through like look at what we've done mm. look at these new things we're, we're doing uh step in the right direction in terms of how um the growth of the future growth of iota anyway mm. also the whole not being completely open source thing as well that was one of his arguments he was just like, oh yeah. you're not open source but you know oh he said that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he said that he had a lot of hate in his heart I can't yeah he's like, he, he seemed a bit salty yeah he was very salty well i think iota's got a, a a good position to kind of be a part of the community but not a part of the community they don't have to follow everything uh, in regards to blockchain technology and, and the community because technically Tangle's not blockchain. Um, so I think come from that point of view, I think it, it, you know they don't have to conform exactly. Mm. And I think maybe that is their key thing. And you know they can make their stamp without necessarily being liked because you know the platform that they're coming with is quite good. Um, and I think if they can prove it with their work, not necessarily their personas, then you know that's their angle i guess you know yeah i think iota's technology is strong enough to carry them through and i think as well they um they're making the right partnerships last time we spoke about them we spoke about them being um doing a thing with bosch now they're working with microsoft that's a big one and loads of other companies now as well so they're taking the right steps they're doing the things they need to do and I think we'll see a lot more of IOTA in the future. It's not going anywhere at all. Um, but yeah, another another cool use case I found when I went to the um, thingy, we found when we went to the um, the blockchain summit, is this thing called Rentberry. And basically what it is, is peer-to-peer um, rental sort of thing. So if you have a property, kind of like Airbnb, where you um, can rent out your house to people coming on holiday or whatever, but this is more for long-term rentals, and it's completely peer-to-peer on a decentralized um, in a de- decentralized space, and um, they do everything. The smart contracts do everything from the um, try everything from the application process, the rental auctions, agreements, rent payments, um, reviews and ratings, um, and crowds. They they do crowdsource security deposits as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, Apparently they're already up and running in Australia and other places in Japan. I think maybe uh, California as well. They're they're up and running, so it's they're, they're doing quite well. Um, 
says that they says they actually work in uh, in four thousand nine hundred forty eight cities. So yeah, they're doing um they're doing quite well. It's really interesting. We spoke to the um to one of the head guys there um for quite a while. He he was a really cool guy. Um, he gave us a little info. We ended up speaking more about the blockchain blockchain technology, the blockchain space on a as a whole, rather than um what he was doing which i thought was cool he wasn't just there to just sell us whatever he was doing he just wanted to have a chat about blockchain and when you when you see the passion of um blockchain technology in someone um it's it's quite refreshing that you know they're just although they've been working in this space it's still fresh to them it's still exciting to them and the fact that they are working on it is a great this great indicator for me like and it, it kind of pushed me to look more into um what he was doing as well as opposed to if he was just there just listening off whatever they do and blah 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 and how much money i can make before i'm investing in like that would have just put me off so um yeah no he was a cool guy um i think his name was sergey yeah so yeah shouts out to sergey from rentbury yeah I'd, i would agree with you there um he really did seem interested in blockchain technology um I think, you know, I don't think he really cared so much about, um, you know, us back in the ICO in terms of investing just because he did mention that he has a number of investors already lined up. So I think uh, his uh, approach was more to just get people interested. One, in look, this is what we do. But two, you know, you just talk about blockchain. Mm. And uh, and again, yeah, that is quite refreshing. Yeah, he did mention that. Um, he, he made a good point. He was like, yeah, we're not like these other... Um ICOs where we're just trying to get as much money what we believe in is like get a working product first and then ask people to invest so they had you know venture capitalist um, investments before and other types of investments um, before they decided to make an ICO because they wanted to get an up and running product before they went and asked the public to invest which is fair enough I think every single um, uh, ICO should do that it doesn't make sense to ask people to just believe in what you want to do if you can't show them an example of it working you know it's kind of like blind faith and this is what I say to everyone that invests in the ICO that's why I'm not a fan of just um, of the um, ICO sort of space I'd rather see something work and then invest you know just uh, even if it's just a beta stage even if there's a bunch of problems if I can see just how you want to implement it see what you're planning to do and if i can see a future for it then yeah of course i'll invest but yeah that was that was a, a great one yeah it's refreshing to hear an ico actually say what you guys said in in saying um that they want to work in product first before they push a, um, a sale mm -hmm. out uh, yeah, because a lot of ICOs they're like, okay, we'll get the money in and then we'll give them the service. Yeah, and then you'll see that a lot of there will either be a mediocre service mm. or there won't be. <laughs> yeah, or, it'll like, just crash. Yeah, the last day. like um, and there'll be roadmaps like every other month yeah. updated so they can get, raise more money because mm. there's a new roadmap. It's just hype. Yeah, it's, it's just money like people trying to accumulate as much money as possible. But yeah, like. Uh, like oh, you guys have showed me this today because obviously I was in that at the event but um, from what you guys have told me about it and what I've seen from their website from the um, short time I've looked at it is it looks great and um, it uh, I, I, I guess they're using it as a bit of a competition against Airbnb but more mm. for the more long term for renting mm. uh, how how they allow uh, the the 
landlords and the renters to interact with each other through the application is pretty interesting mm. as well. Um, it, it seems like they really put a lot of time and uh, like just thinking about this. Mm. And it's kind of scary if you're in a state agent though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would be scared. Your job's kind of gone, but if I was an estate agent, I'd try and think some way to incorporate it. You know, um, you know, maybe <laughs> even though um, you know landlords do not n- need. Um, they don't need estate agents using this app, but you never know. Some people like the convenience, so they might pay an estate agent to run whatever they need to be run through the app for them. So maybe look into doing something like that if you're an estate agent. Um, yeah. like Blockchain is not the end of the world. Well, yeah, I think um, I think we had a conversation the other day about um, you know uh, Rentberry and the fact that peer-to-peer kind of um, setups aren't new. Um, Airbnb, for instance, do do what they do. Um, so it's not a new piece of technology in any shape or form in terms of, well, I wouldn't say technology, it's actually not a new idea, peer-to-peer kind of transactions when it comes to renting out a property or so. Um, so I think um, estate agents could even mold themselves around it. They could uh, st- you know, potentially even pick up some of the technology and implement it into their business. Um, I think uh, it's, it's just the way that the world's going right now, where peer-to-peer kind of transactions are quite more, well, quite common. Um, I think blockchain technology would just assist that and aid that more than uh, totally take over. And I think it's just a good alternative. Um, as you say, you know, there will be estate agents that may offer, you know, kind of the service, and people don't actually want to communicate with anyone. They want the estate agents to take take ownership, and you know, all they really want to do is receive money. And if they have to pay a small bit of their capital towards um, an estate agent, it's actually easier for them um, in terms of their business processing. Um, uh, so I don't think the uh, estate agents will go out of business, well, not anytime soon, but um, I think there will be a transition in the market where, you know, um, the estate agents won't, you know, pretty much monopolize it. Mm. Um, and I think that's really good. Um, and they've, they've seen this, Rentberry, um, and they're taking advantage of it. And if they can continue, then it's all the better, especially if it drives down prices prices um, in terms of renting, et cetera. It's good for the consumer and good for us, really, because we're, we're that um, demographic. Exactly. And I think as well, um, this brings us back to what we were saying about IBM. Like, it doesn't have, uh, the blockchain doesn't have to be this destructive force that comes and destroys or changes every single industry. It, I think it's more, think of it more of a balance, a balance side. Take Like Courtney just said, it takes away the monopoly of certain things because at the end of the day, for example, if you're just a guy who has a, one property that you want to rent out and you may not have the capital to be paying to, um, to estate agents, then this will be perfect for you. But if you have several properties, maybe it's a bit more tedious for you to manage them on, on the app. I haven't actually used the app, so I can't really say for sure, but maybe it's more tedious to manage several apps, uh, several properties on, on this um, app, and maybe it's still better to use an estate agent for that, you know? So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not the end of the world, like we were saying. Um, there were so many other things we looked at, um, like there was one called Settlement, which is basically um, kind of, it allows for businesses to build um, blockchains and smart contracts and things in JavaScript, which is really cool. Um, we spoke, I've, well, I've, I've mentioned Stratis before, um, and they allow people to create smart contracts in C Sharp, which makes it easier. For example, if you are going, if you are a, a company and you someone's coming to propose a blockchain for you, you might be thinking, well, our developers don't know how to 
learn how to integrate, how to work with the blockchain. If they can use JavaScript, which is a very common language, they're more likely to be like, okay, we'll take on. It's not much work. We don't have to train our, our employees again. Um, so yeah, you know, um, it's it's a really um, <clears throat> it's a really um, good idea. I think they're oh, they're also um, yeah, their slogan is we make it easy for IT teams to build blockchain applications, which is really cool. I think the more of these we see, the um, the better it will be for the blockchain industry as a whole, you know. Um, so that's that's my take on it. I, it was really good to see all these these um, different different use cases. There was another one, Serenity Financial, which is basically a decentralized um, broker, forex broker, which is really cool. A lot of people who are listening might um, have been in like the forex groups I've been in and stuff like that. So maybe you, you guys are interested in this and we know the sort of mess that forex brokers can do, you know, taking people's money, locking accounts, you know, not allowing people to withdraw, you know, just a lot of dodgy stuff sometimes with um, certain brokers. Now you don't have to run the risk, you know, you don't have to think about it as, as much. Um, you know, obviously there are good brokers out there, but like, they're still, that not, you won't always know which one is and which isn't. So this is a, this is a good way of taking that out of, out of the equation. Uh, another decentralized um, broker or exchange we came across was OTN and they did a talk there as well. And um, that's actually kind of a offshoot. I think it's run by the same people who own IQ Option, IQ option yeah. which is a binary options broker. So I was a bit um, slightly skeptical about that because, but it kind of makes sense for a broker to look at their model and be like, you know what, this is the future of our model. We're not going to, um, you know, we're not going to survive. Like we need to trust this sort of system. So um, yeah, no, it makes sense. That was a, a, a really, um, I think that's one of the, my favorite use cases for that. Um, and especially with all the stuff that's been going on with exchanges this week, you know, um, Coinbase was locked out because it couldn't handle the people coming in because of the whole um, Bitcoin flash crash, which is, yeah, let's, let's start talking about that, the flash crash that happened. Um, it's nothing new. Like, there was a lot of crazy talk about it. You know, people going, oh my God, it's dropped this much. Bitcoin's done that before. Cryptocurrencies do that. It's a new currency. We all know it's volatile. It's going to do this. But I guess there's a lot of new people in the space, people who are new to financial trading as a whole. So, you know, the emotions are that much stronger um, because they're not used to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, like people it, it kind of shocks me that people are still shocked about it because mm. i'm almost desensitized to it now um like the other day some we, i was talking to someone about it and they were like oh why is it like this like it goes to eleven thousand and then drops to nearly like ne lower than nine thousand and it's just it's just it's not good it's mm. like well, well that's just called vol vol uh, validity mm. it's, it's just volatile and um, I mean, part of reason to why there's a lot of success in the crypto market so far is its volatility in a way. Mm. Um, because uh, there's, I guess it's almost a lack of regulation. People can, people can just say how much they wanna, willing to buy whatever amount, like there's no limit. Mm. Um, but yeah, like once again, um, Bitcoin has recovered uh, a, a big drop 
it recovered almost instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, 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 like, um, considering the past, the sim, uh, like similar falls. I think the last fall was uh, just before the two X when it mm. got announced. It got cancelled. Mm. Uh, I think this one was a bit longer how it took to recover, mm. but I mean it was basically the same. We're on the same track now. Yeah. Um, I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if we try to hit all time highs again. Um, at this rate, but by, by next week, if we're talking about our oh, Bitcoin's gone twelve thousand or higher, mm. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is just Bitcoin doing its thing again. Really. <laughs> all time highs every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. This is nothing new. Like for such a volatile market, and uh, like we said, there's well, there's a lot of fud um, going around. You know, being spread. And I guess that's just journalists doing what journalists do. You know, getting clickbait and eye catching headlines and things like that. But you know how people are. They panic, and so. And then obviously the exchanges got locked out because everyone was panicking, trying to sell their bitcoins. But they, but then it. Um, they were overloaded. They overloaded the servers of um, Coinbase. TradingView is not even an exchange; it's just a, a chart, a charting platform, and that was locked out as well. So many people were panicking. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, a few other exchanges were locked out as well. But yeah, this that's that's one of the problems with um, with um, centralized exchanges, and so you know things like um, uh, Serenity Financial and OTN. Were probably the the best way to go in the future, especially with such a volatile market. Yeah, I think you just you just gonna look at it this way. You gotta imagine, you know, Bitcoin has reached nine thousand, and you know, you know, new newbies um, and veterans are going crazy and put more money into Bitcoin, and then it's like you know we reckon it hit ten thousand. Oh, it's hit ten thousand, mm-hmm. and you know people flooding and go crazy and crazy and crazy. And then everybody's thinking, yeah, you know what? We're gonna profit so much. Keep putting money into it, and then it hits eleven thousand. And you know, people, people at their heights, you know, they're so gassed, they're so happy. Um, and then it drops, and like that silence, you just feel that sharp pain in your stomach. They feel the fear. It's <laughs> that you know. And I think that drop got a lot of people. But I think, yeah, Bitcoin in my opinion it's going to keep increasing you know the whole space is is, is going to improve and right now bitcoin is on top so i think you know it's going to keep on increasing again i'm not a financial advisor in any shape or form but you know i think it's going to keep on going up and uh it will have its drops come on things can't just increase 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 forever and never drop you've got to expect it um and and you know trading itself you should expect some sort of loss as well um so the fact that people are going crazy and panicking and overloading servers and different platforms <laughs> i guess it's interesting yeah. it's like a movie you know uh, you know you can just imagine that you know people running around with their arms flailing in the air um but you know i think the space just needs to calm down a bit and kind of just you know objectively review what's going on yeah i think it's right uh, but you know that's how it is that's how the market moves in the first place fear and greed and i think fear is a much more um it's a much stronger emotion than greed mm. fear is you get fear in all sorts of walks of life um is psychologically deep rooted into us and that's why when you see price fall it falls a lot quicker than it rises i know bitcoin's been rising a lot but when you see the falls on, on bitcoin they are sharp. sharp they're sharp fear is number one you need to fear is what takes people out of the market 
So you need to be very careful. And I'm going to quote Michael Jr. again. I said, I said it before and I say it again. Yeah. Trade like a machine. you got to think like a computer. Because if you go in there with all sorts of emotions, the market is going to spank you. That is what's going to happen. It's, the market is emotionless, so you need to be emotionless in return. It doesn't care about you. It doesn't care whether you lose or make money. It just moves how it moves. And um, you just have to protect yourself um, and control your own risk, manage your risk, and um, trade according to your risk appetite. You know, and it'll make it easier for you. You know, you don't go putting everything in one basket when you know you can't handle the stress. <laughs> if price moves down like by one percent, you you go insane like living that way. So if you know that's your sort of temperament, maybe risk a little less. You'll find yourself being more profitable. If you are uh, do have a heavy risk appetite, then yeah, go for it. But don't. I would never advise putting all your eggs in one basket, but that's your analysis if that's what you see is the best thing for you then go ahead feel free to do whatever you want to do like we always say we're not financial advisors you know as far as you know we're just chatting crap but you know this is this is just our opinions you know just my opinion um yeah but what do you guys think yeah i know uh, no, yeah i was just gonna say i totally agree i think you was about to say the same and yeah know? basically yeah mm-hmm. i completely agree with what you just said definitely yeah so yeah, no, yeah, it was a crazy week. Um, you know, there's still some st- stuff going on behind the scenes over the tether hack as well, Bitfinex. Um, being silent about that still, so people's a bit on the edge, and it's giving people more reasons to um, to transfer their money into hardware wallets. So we're getting a lot more questions about it, about different types of wallets, hardware wallets, um, paper wallets, brain wallets, things like that. I made a video about it. We'll leave a link below. Um, for anyone to check out the video about what types of wallets to, to look into, which ones are the best for you, perhaps. And, um, yeah, I think th- that's the way forward. Just take your money off the exchanges and, you know, just keep it safe, you know. Just um, uh, With some coins, it might be a bit harder because it's hard to find wallet, offline wallets for certain coins. Like IOTA, I'm still waiting for a hardware wallet or something for, for it. But um, apparently it's coming soon, so I can't wait for that. But, yeah hopefully that gets sorted and uh, we'll be we'll be good yeah hmm. yeah so yeah it was a crazy crazy week uh, i enjoyed it though it's entertaining i love when the markets get like this i love i love seeing the panic hmm. and stuff because most of the time i'm just sitting back and watching it you know don't like to be involved in that sort of stress and most of the people who are panicking are people who bought at the top so yeah I feel like uh, a lot of the people who are panicking are the people who have a lot of invested in it. But um, if you have a lot invested in something where you, which you, you don't feel safe in investing in, then maybe you should take a bit more money out. Mm. Um, like I, for one, I mean, yeah, we hit 12,000 uh, Bitcoin and then it dropped to uh, under 9,000. Um yeah, I was checking. Yeah, I was paying attention, but at no point did I want to sell. Yeah. Uh, because the way I saw it is, one, I think it will recover. Mm. Two, I, if I had more fiat, I'd probably buy it if I could. Mm. Like nine thousand for Bitcoin is exactly. a bargain. Mm. Considering you have to consider. Yeah, I understand there's a lot of um, fear and doubt mm. uh, throughout the market the past few days because we're going to new highs. Uh, well, the past few days we've been going to new highs. And it's there's a bit of like it was showing a bit of a wobble, but 
uh, with all this attention around it, again, Coinbase can't even handle the amount of new people coming in. A lot of the exchanges are struggling with the, all the different connections it's getting from from just the hype around it. So, uh, yeah, like, 20, again, we mentioned it again, 2018 is going to be a very, very, very interesting year for cryptocurrency. I think it's going to be the year what define, defines it, mm. uh, cements it in, uh, in in this new age, basically. I think the exchanges have to step up as well. Oh, yeah, it does. I think the exchanges are actually bringing, bringing the whole market down a bit, as in, like, the cryptocurrency community down. Mm. Once we get a good, honestly, a decentralized exchange, um, what's solid, like it, I don't know how, how it's gonna pop up. It's gonna have to do something big, mm. but I so hope it comes out. I just so hope it's not bad. Honestly, if I was on Coinbase or GDAX, it's the same company, but I'd be looking into creating a decentralized exchange. Do I just do it because? you don't want to lose out to the guy who yeah. does it correctly because they're going to win. Like, especially if you're crashing every five seconds when there's hype, because in this market, it's going to happen again. Like yeah. Bitcoin or something else, it's going to go up and it's going to shoot back down because people are scared and there's going to be pumps and dumps. Like that's how it works. This is a market. This is a financial market. People are trying to make money here and people are going to lose out, you know? So that's, that's basically, um, that's basically the way it's going to be in the future. The exchanges have to keep up. Like Andy was saying, they, they're dragging the rest of the cryptocurrency uh, market down. And I think it's kind of unfair, really. And, it, and that, I think the exchanges, the exchanges are the doorway. They're the gatekeepers. And if you turn up to the gate and it's locked, then you're just going to turn away, aren't you? You know, you're not going to yeah. bother. Um, if you're a newbie and you tried to get onto a Coinbase the other day and it was out of service, you're going to be thinking, what the hell kind of service is this? Like, I'm out. Like, That's definitely true. So it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, they, they definitely have to fix up. But 2018 is going to be a very good year. 2017 has been a great, exciting year. If you're, even if you're just a guy, an onlooker from afar, just looking at it, interested in what's going on, it's been great. Like, so much has happened, even in the past few weeks, in the past month. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm loving it at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, the what you mentioned about gatekeepers is definitely true. Mm. Like, um, I'm sure a lot of people listen to the listen to this, or just people in general. Like, they heard about Bitcoin before they started, like, and then they started trading into it after maybe a few weeks or months. Mm. Like, but some people might have like heard about it and then stopped. Like not bothered trading it mm. after a good few months or maybe a year or more. Um, one of the kind of like uh, difficulties new people ran into was it just setting, getting set set up, mm. and just getting your head round around it. Round it is really difficult. Mm. So having exchanges mess up on you when you're just trying to buy some Bitcoin or buy some cryptocurrency is very frustrating and a lot of people just turn their backs yeah but i i, I reckon they will they will come back when if there's a option which is just easier. easier yeah of course of course someone comes with a really good interface it's decentralized then and then and it's solid then it has a solid network behind it then it's they're gonna take over um jay from the making sense um podcast uh, is a 
financial um, podcast where they talk about finance and stuff like that. Um, he mentioned the other day on Twitter, or I think it was Instagram, well, he mentioned, and he says it quite a lot, is that if you ha- make things simple for people, they will give you their soul. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> they won't literally give you their soul, but what he's trying to say is that do you make um, life easier for people with a product or a service, they'll happily give you their money. That's what people are paying for most of the time. That's Hashtag iPhone. Exactly. The, the <laughs> iPhone's been running because it's so simple. They'll hand you their money despite uh, so many like flaws you have. As long as it's easy for them to use, they don't need all this technical stuff. Like It's easy, it's simple, it's a little bit flashy, you know, it has good design, then people will just buy it. They will give their money over to that that system or um, service. Um, one of uh, one of the um, examples that I used, I saw this little sixty second documentary thing on Instagram, where these guys basically get paid to stand in line for people. So you know when there's like an yeah, iPhone sale, yeah, 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 like when there's like an iPhone sale, you know you get hype hype beasts going trying to find um supreme stuff, you know. And they're in line for ages. These people like are in line, and they're like, you know what? I'll take your place in the line. I'll stand in line for you. Um, just you know, pay me this X amount of money, and then you can come back and take my spot. Or whatever. They make so much money. And they make so much money. I think they said the best week they had, they made fourteen grand in one week just for standing in line. Like anyone could do that, but they were the smart ones that that basically went out and seek the people who needed it. You, all you have to do in this world is solve a problem. Uh, I saw a, a little interview with Elon Musk, and he, people were asking him about like ideas and things like that. And he said, "Look, not everything needs to change the world. Not every idea needs to be this world-changing idea. All it has to do is solve a problem for someone somewhere, and it's a good idea. That's all. That's all you need. Make things easier for the world. Make the world a better place, even in the tiniest way. Then, problem solved. Literally, and and." And both parties will be happy, basically. So yeah, I don't, I don't think we have anything else um, we want to cover for this um, podcast, did we? Centralization. Oh yeah, we did. De- decentralization. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's a it's a really key topic. Um, one where I think we would end up covering it over a number of podcasts, but a quick conversation most likely we should have about it, and yeah. I just want to mm. see what you guys think. So. Actually, my perception would be decentralization is one, what the community want. Mm. Two, it's what the world wants. We're moving in this world to kind of have decentralization where you, you haven't got like a, a key player controlling things behind closed doors and, uh, you know, getting a cut of whatever transactions you're making, etc. Um, but with it, I would suggest that there's potentially a bit of risk, you know, where it's peer to peer and, and, um, you know maybe can you totally trust the decentralized kind of network and also is there always kind of an aspect of the decentralized network which is nearly centralized and uh, i think um that's the kind of topics i would want to ponder in terms of decentralization but then centralization you've got normally an authority or or, or something in between um they get a cut but you can kind of trust that they will do their job and that's maybe a, a thing that you have to question can you fully trust the centralized uh, uh, party um, but um, it's just the kind of the what are the benefits of having a centralized network um, uh, what do you guys think I am for 
decentralization for the most part i think a lot of things should be decentralized i think as a society we we try to make the world decentralized i think that was a whole idea of a democracy a democracy if you think about it everyone is has a consensus about who they want to lead them not necessarily who they want to control them because a like a leader a politician is supposed to be in service of the people so basically for example um when you vote someone in they're working for you but everyone else has voted that person in doesn't mean that person should control you you're supposed to be controlling them everyone's supposed to be controlling them so that's more of a kind of a decentralized look and that's kind of that's a utopian view of, of the world and that's what I think we try to do as like a society. But obviously, we've obviously failed. The world's extremely centralized, especially in banking. And that basically controls everything. You know, central banks, that says it all. The name's in the title. Um, so, and I think the, you know, the appearance of Bitcoin and the ideas for decentralized networks and decentralized applications, that puts us back on the track trying to fix the problems we're trying to achieve the things we wanted to achieve at first as human beings as a society we wanted everything to be fair you know we wanted everything to be a, a vote everything to be a consensus and you know that is kind of what um decentralization gives us but on the other hand looking at it from the other side you know can the rest of us be trusted are we the best people to ask as a society maybe one person is the only person who's right and knows what's best for us you know maybe that person's in control is doing what is best for us but we just can't see um and we can't say for ourselves what is best for us but who's to say maybe if we don't know who what's best for us maybe if we still have the right to make the wrong decisions and maybe learn from that. It's getting a bit philo philosophical, but I think the whole concept mm. of centralization versus decentralization, and the whole concept of the blockchain, it's all based on philosophy, and and it's all kind of political. The whole pur um, the whole purpose of Bitcoin um, was a backlash to what happened in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, with the financial crash, um, with the banks basically taking the piss and basically destroying the world. Mm -hmm. um, so um it's 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 deep rooted in everything blockchain and i really hope that doesn't get lost in everything else you know in the making money and you know the the figures and stuff we have to understand that this can really change the world for the better i always use example of the farmers that's just one example just think about people in countries where they don't have a banking system they'll be able to access wealth they'll be able to start businesses make their lives better just from what they have and that's that's an opportunity that everyone deserves it shouldn't be monopolized freedom and financial freedom the ability to grow opportunities should never be centralized opportunities should be available for everyone it should not be monopolized either um yeah that's just my view um i don't know about you guys i got a bit passionate yeah no yeah. um i was just gonna say you like i have exactly the same point of view as well like especially in the sense when you were talking about how it like i mean it does be get, become political because the whole movement of cryptocurrency itself is a bit more political because it's, it's going against the status quo whereas um 
basically powers of it a lot more centralized in in most in most things like government and um finance um but yeah so like obviously decentralizing everything uh, uh i i i'm a big advocate for it in a way but i know it's not necessarily like the best in all sense uh like a lot of people do say that they want to um like they want more regulations on bitcoin i think it does need some regulation however well who's the one who's the people who decide on the regulations well we're we're centralizing it a bit more and people should really think about that um like so obviously uh like we have currencies which are decentralized and um if we decentralize everything again who decides on the future patches and uh, updates? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, obviously, if we're going along with the decentralized everything kind of um, position, then it will say, oh, well, everyone decides we can put it to a vote. Mm-hmm. However, then you have to kind of realize that the people building the cryptocurrency, they have knowledge and they understand mm-hmm. the currency. They, they, like, for example, say if we made our own, our own um, ICO, mm-hmm. like, we would understand, okay, well, this really needs work, mm-hmm. but people from the outside will see it from an investor's point of view of how it would make money mm. now which or which is or isn't the right thing to do so it's kind of like well do you listen to experts mm. of of their IC or or do you listen to people mm. and now here's the thing um morally who's who who like who is the right who is the good per like good group or good person here mm. is it is it it kind of depends on the the people mm. if they're good or bad mm. or the business if they're good or bad so it is it is very it's a, it's a very tricky one that's yeah. why when you're talking about uh, like it, we're getting philosophical here yeah. i was like yeah we definitely are mm. it's it's such a toughie mm. but it's that's what makes it such a good com- uh, conversation really yeah yeah i would, I would uh whilst i I'd like to introduce this whole topic because i love this kind of philosophical kind of conversation you know, I would want to mention two things. One, a lot of business, especially business that does really well, it it, it um, does well because of asymmetric information. Yeah, um, I assume that I've learned, learned this uh, top kind of uh, uh, phrase a while ago. And uh, what, what it's mean, based on? What do you mean by asymmetric information? What what it's based on is that the consumer does doesn't have a clue what something's worth. Um, 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 as to what you know, the person that's producing it, you know, uh, kind of selling it. At. So, an example would be maybe dentistry. You know, the consumer has no idea, you know, what's going on with their teeth. They have no idea how much it should cost, and the dentist can charge whatever they want. You've got a similar um, thing in engineering, where if you're talking about a car or something, if you take your car to oh no, sorry, mechanics. So if you take your car to a mechanic and say, oh, please sort this out for me somehow you're spending a grand for something that maybe only cost 20 pounds for them to change um, but you have no idea what they're doing or understand it at all and i think decentralization has the ability to get rid of a lot of that of society now um i'm gonna uh, then <laughs> fall into the other side and the other side is this right i've watched an interview ages ago of um people writing and going crazy about donald trump and uh you know <laughs> One lady was interviewed, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, it's over a social network all over the place, um, where the guy goes, well, what are you out here for? And, he, and she's like, we want change, we're ready for change. And, uh, no, you know, he then goes, how are you going to do it? 
and literally window shut down. <laughs> she had no clue of how she would potentially even do that. Now, what I'm going to suggest is that that is centralization. Why we need centralization because the common person has no clue of how things should be done, how things should be run. Um, so what I'm giving here is a, a, a typical Courtney on the fence balance. Yeah, mm. everything in life there's a certain yin and yang. We need a balance. You can't have too much of anything and too little of something because then there's some sort of imbalance and it causes problems. And I think that's what we need right now. Until we can totally see how decentralization will come in and cure all the problems that we have, I think there should be a certain balance where decentralization will help out in certain areas and potentially a bit of centralization will help out in others. A key example of that really is that one having centralization sometimes the people actually know what they're doing and two you can trust them um but that being said you know that can be argued heavily and that's why you need that balance yeah i agree i think there does definitely have to be a balance without centralization there's no decentralization mm. without decentralization there's no centralization but on the other hand if there is a decentralized open ledger network open access to information then everyone has the ability to become knowledge and that, that asymmetric information goes where so people will have a better idea on how they want to make this change because think about it now everything's centralized now so pe a lot of people uh, this is something else I, I came across the other day. I think it was Jim Carrey talking about it or something. He was saying that everyone's in their own little bubble. You read the newspapers that agree with your own point of view. You watch the TV shows that agree with your own point of view. You um, you see things that... You surround yourself with things that agree with your own ego. That's just how human beings are. You can't deny it. Yeah. Some people... You know, I try to go outside and see opposing views. I, I enjoy doing that because I've become aware that I've surrounded myself with things that agree with, um, you know, myself. Because that's just what you do. That's what you want to do. You feel comfortable. But with such an open network where no one is just funneling the same information to you and no like centralized body, like centralized media, centralized everything, um, then you are open to seeing different things. Even if like it'd be so hard for you to not see the other point of view, to not see. Um, different things because now things are more decentralized it's not one guy controlling all the news you see it's everyone's point of view so now you're seeing a more balanced sort of thing and that could solve a lot of um societies in in um a lot of issues in society because a lot of people they have hate in their heart they have this point of view about these people they have this point of view about that people because they're getting the same stream of misinformation or information that could be right but they're only seeing one point of view from one point of view but with such an open world where someone else is giving you their op opinion someone else is giving you their opinion that it'd be a more balanced in that mm. way so yeah you know, um yeah that's one way it could solve that yeah I, i'd say um on your point i think the the reason for that is i guess we're, we're talking about twitter like almost a twitter space or social media space because of like it, what they do is the algorithms they they centralize uh similar ideas mm. of what you find so then that's that's the reason why you, um it's kind of what you were saying with the mm. whole jupe carry point point mm. is that you're looking at the same thing in your own circle you're staying within your bubble but um it's kind of like looking outside it um in terms of the whole uh 
centralization, decentralization of uh, in, in cryptos anyway. It's, I think right now, of course, it's pretty decent. It's very decentralized other than on the exchanges, mm. um, which are mostly centralized. Um, it's good. I, I personally, I think it's good to have a bit of um, order mm. uh, in in the world of like cryptocurrencies. What is what is almost chaotic. Mm. Uh, so I, how how they should go about it? I do think we still need a decentralized exchange. I think that's really important. Mm. But how we should regulate that? Yeah, that's this decentralized exchange. Now we, I've, uh, maybe some options could be. Um, uh, basically, very very top people, uh, like publicly having a discussion about, um, so it's very open, mm. having a discussion about what should be regulated and what should be avoided and what should be stopped and what can be used to stop like abuse and like uh, legal t- activity within the network. Mm. Uh, maybe that's an option to go. Um, but again, like as there's a, a group of people of. of um, basically uh, knowledgeable people mm. who are coming up with these ideas even if it is open mm. and even though it's like say if it was streamed and it was mm. like a massive conversation which I think it should be I, ho- yeah. I hope it is like that mm. then the people there's obviously the argument that oh it's the, like well we're centralising the power but I think it's important to realise that having everything decentralised doesn't exactly make it good yeah exactly um, it, it, uh, it makes it wild yeah it makes it it makes it like it's kind of like making a baby just fend for itself <laughs> it whether it grows up like not a not a fuck up or not yeah. is r- totally dependent on its environment mm. um so like at least we uh having some uh ex- like experts like help decide and then there's a conversation and people or people from the outside can, can put, put in the input, input. Yeah. That's key. That is key. I think personally. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the thing that you kind of see on like things like GitHub, where yeah, with yeah, open exactly. source projects, people from out of nowhere could come and add so much value to your project. Um, I think the order, like each blockchain has its own rules, so that comes with a certain order. But then I think there comes the problem of like census and uh, um, censorship and things like that. That's a whole another topic for another day, I suppose, and that kind of comes back to what we were speaking about with, um, you know, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies being used for illegal purposes, and also yeah. you know the whole Vitalik Buterin thing about um, child pornography and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's there's so much to talk about blockchain technology. It's so exciting. We're coming to the end of twenty seventeen, and it's been such a great year for cryptocurrencies. Um, we'll have a few more podcasts before the end of the year and I think we'll probably do like an end of year wrap up yeah. for um, one of the podcasts but I don't know do you guys have anything have anything else to say about centralization versus decentralization no as I say you know um, I would suggest it's, it's a bit of a balance um, and I think it's something we're going to cover over a future podcast I don't think it's the end um, definitely not the end actually I'd say um, because there's so much to it and I don't think we would have covered everything in this in this short conversation mm. but I did just want to bring it up as a little spoiler and get it out there mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah that, that was it really cool so yeah um, we spoke about a lot today and in depth but I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion if you want to join in just leave a comment below um, give us your opinion what do you are you for decentralization or, uh, or do you think there should be a balance or do you think everything should just be centralised? Um, 
yeah, it's been great. If you wanna, um, if you like this, um, leave a like. If you're on YouTube or Castbox or SoundCloud, subscribe to any or all of the all of them, whichever one you're listening to. Um, if you want a hardware wallet to keep your crypto safe, click the link below. It also supports the podcast. And yeah, um, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. All right, thanks, guys. Take it easy. See you guys next week. <laughs>